welcome to a podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and we're not actually going to be diving that deep into anything this week. Um, we are both on vacation, myself and Nick, and uh, so instead of your regular scheduled episode, throughout this week, we are putting out all of our Patreon bonus content into, uh, we're compiling them into single episodes. We'll have a couple random reviews episodes and a couple pilot projections episodes throughout the week. Um, Every day there should be a new episode, so you can go back and listen to some of the things we did on Patreon now that the Patreon is closed. Um, So stay tuned, take a listen. They're just going to run back to back to back, and then there will be another one tomorrow with, um, you know, different episodes that we did. So take a listen. If you like what you hear, there will be more in a day or so. Stay classy. Welcome to a podcast about something's Patreon, Patreon exclusive. exclusive. Once a month, we review a random movie released in that month between 1975 and 2015. All right, so we watched uh, Super 8 for this issue of Random Reviews. Good movie. Yeah, it best, is a pretty decent Best movie. movie we've watched so far. I'll give it that. Uh, uh, I don't know. A Force of One was pretty sweet. <laughs> I think so. Here's the thing: A Force of One might have been more enjoyable, but definitely not a better movie. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, because it <laughs> was correct. It was uh, A Force of One was just like a good romp to sit through, and like it, it had all these cheesy, funny karate moments. Whereas Super Eight's like a good movie, but I was a little bored. Like this was probably the third time I'd seen it, and I was a little bored. I was also i think it's a frame of mind type thing like yeah i know it was directed by jj abrams he a lot of lens flare a lot of classic yeah, lens flare in this one he uh so now i've, I've kind of started to tune him out even though he's done some good stuff like i do like his star wars movies i think they're the bet i like movie i'm sorry yeah it's but got another the one better of soon, the though. two um and i'm glad they gave it back to him but after transformers and stuff like that his little classic film tropes that you notice start to irk me <laughs> transformers he didn't do transformers oh i'm star thinking trek. of michael bay yeah i'm sorry yeah he did lost in star trek that's, that's if you put those together you probably get transformers star trek got on my nerves a little bit I really liked the first, like, I was never a Star Trek guy, and I really liked the first one, and yes. I I don't know that I'd seen any of the old movies, I'd never watched any of the TV shows, but, like, it looked cool, I liked Chris Pine, you know, I was like, alright, you know, I'll check it out, I liked Zachary Quinto at the time, because he was coming off Heroes, so I was like, I'll check it out, you know, it's it's a thing that I should know about, and I, I really liked that, the second one was fine, and then the third one was, like, it wasn't bad, I just, like, I didn't. I I wouldn't care if the universe kept going anymore. I, I, the first one was good. I do remember watching that. The other two, I honestly I can't say I've ever watched. Just too bad. No. And and that's kind of how I feel about uh, well, that's how I feel, I'll feel about this movie going forward. I mean, it yeah, was a, I don't know that I want to revisit it anymore. Like yeah. maybe when my kids are a little bit older, like it would be a fun one to watch with them. But, like, you give me a movie where the kids are the ones figuring it out, like, that that's always a draw for me. Because kids just have this ignorant exuberance going into it. Like, they never, like, adults, if they're trying to, to solve a problem, they always see all the things that can go wrong. Where kids are like, nah, this is gonna fucking work. Whatever oh, yeah, man. Oh, definitely. 
let's just make these little grappling hooks out of coat hangers and let's do it. Yeah. So uh, it, like that's people, what I like about these type of movies. Well, it gives me that Goonies type feel. Like that gets uh-huh. it gets me in that little mood. You know what I mean? It, I don't almost, like the Goonies. Um, what's that? I don't like the Goonies. I don't either, but it's okay. a good We're too young fun time it. story. I like it. I always like the saying, Goonies never say die. Yeah, that's And I, I did say that with my friends like a loser, so <laughs> ha! Joke's on you, buddy. But uh, it, it kind of reminds me of It in the sense mm-hmm. that it's like this group of friends discovering a supernatural entity. Right, um, and having and them being the ones to have to deal with it, not, you know, searching out adults to yeah. solve the problem. Well, and it, it's just big consp- it's honestly, it's almost like a proto-Stranger Things. I mean, I mean yeah, without you've the got tele- telekinetic deal. You've got a little bit of Stranger Things, a little bit E.T., Goonies, like you said, a little bit of Cloverfield. Like there's, I do like that movie. There's a lot of different things going into this that, I mean, it, it it's good for it. Yeah, and if little you guys Godzilla, were Godzilla, kind of Red Dawn with the, the military cover-up, like there's a lot in there. There it, There's a lot to uh, process in this movie, mm-hmm. and basically some kids are trying to make a movie um for school i want to say or like a, a contest uh type yeah deal. some contests they're, they're trying to make a movie uh they're using super 8 film which is the name why the name of the movie so cheeky yeah uh but uh, their movie was pretty good they show it all at the end and i it was solid for like a 12 13 year olds making a movie i mean give those guys a contract they need to direct the next <laughs> dc movie it couldn't they couldn't be worse than what we've got I don't think so. I, honestly, I'd like to see that. It might be half decent. Cheesy as all hell, but yeah, we'll see. So one of the one of the kids, uh, the main character, his mom dies uh, in some accident at the factory that she works at. And like in these these movies, this is an old movie, but movies that take place, I don't know, before 1990, and even even some that take place in the night, like dads are just completely useless when it comes to their kids. No shit, man, and that was a bad trope. Like all of the all of the people at the funeral are like, "Oh man, I don't know how uh, Kyle Chandler, whatever his character's name is, I don't like Kyle Chandler." By the way, <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Friday Night Lights guy. I've never watched Friday Night Lights, so like I don't give him all this credit that everyone else does because he always plays like a dick bag in everything else he's ever done. So then he's anyway, a dick bag. Dick yeah, bag. Ev- everyone's just like, "Oh, I don't. He's not going to be able to handle it." And everyone's, "Oh, he'll he'll manage. He'll figure it out." And I'm like, "What he?" He's lived with this kid for 12 years. He didn't know anything about him, and clearly yeah, no he doesn't. He's, uh, I mean, yeah. He, we get the the first scene between the two of them. He's trying to talk him into going to like some sports camp or something. The kid doesn't give a shit. He wants to, you know, make movies with his friends. And like that's the other trope is the, like dad doesn't understand what his kid wants to do. Like, and honestly, as a dad, it's not that hard to be interested in what your kids are doing. Hell no, man. It's your kid. Like, my kid's yeah. not even two months old yet, and I'm just in awe of everything she does. Like, yeah. oh my god, look at you. Like, I have two little girls. My four-year-old is into Barbies and princesses and fairies and things like that. Just things that were never on my radar as a kid or as an adult. And, like, it's really not that hard to go, oh, you're watching Barbie? That's cool. Let me see. Oh, Barbie's doing this today. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not that big a deal. Like, I, I so I never got, like, this trope of, like, the dad's into sports, but the kid's into this nerdy thing, so the dad just can't figure out what the kid's going through. It's like, well, maybe if you fucking talk to him. What, what's talk terrible, Talk to your kids, though, people. Exactly, and that's what I hate about it is I know several people like that that's happened to, 
and they have these horrible relationships with their parents because they can't fucking discuss anything because their parents are mm-hmm. just numb to them. I luckily, my father is awesome in the, that regard, but it's, I mean, it's definitely a real trope, and I think that's what's so annoying about it. Is that it? Yeah, it actually happens in life, well, and that there are people like that. Exactly, and I'm sitting, you know, as a third-party observer, and you look back, it's just like, Jesus, just make the kid a sandwich and let him go make movies. And right as rain, cool. Yeah. Making movies, great. You don't have to watch them. Just tell them they're or cool. Or do watch them, and maybe you'll find out that what he's doing is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, most definitely. I agree with that. So, yeah, that I, I never understood that either. Basically, and then they, um, they recruit this girl to be in the movie, uh, basically just to fridge her. Do you know what fridging is? I don't know what that is. So this is a term that's come up. It happened in the latest Deadpool movie, supposedly, and it was this thing that came out of a Green Lantern comic where Hal Jordan came home from one of his space trips, basically, and his girlfriend had been killed and stuck in a frit in his fridge. So he went to go make himself a sandwich, and boom, girlfriend's head's in the fridge. Uh, basically, killing her is the only thing giving him motivation to stop the bad guy. So they want to bring this girl in to do the same. Like, they tell her straight up, like, we need you in this movie in order to give the the main character of our movie something to do, like, a reason to do what he's doing. <laughs> it's frowned upon nowadays. Well, it sounds like, too easy. It's, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's, Zero giving a, it's giving a BS explanation of why the, the main character is doing something, and it's taking any of the agency out of the female character and saying, she's just there to die, so the, the male character has something to do. And honestly, the, the movie itself, Super 8, does that as well. Like, the, the, char- the main characters aren't going to do anything until she's kidnapped. Like, they're just fine, like, evacuating, doing everything else, and then she's kidnapped, and they go along. With and and then they're like, oh, shit, now we really need to go. Yeah. <laughs> Bad news. Yeah. So, uh, that it's it's frowned upon nowadays, that doing that to female characters or love interests in any form. So I thought it was funny that it happened in this, in this movie and in the movie within the movie. <laughs> it's so meta. God, J.J. Yeah. Abrams, you fuck. A funny thing happened, though, like when they first recruited her, she was the one driving them out to the uh, where they were shooting. And like she pulls up and sees the kid and the main kid, his dad's like the the town deputy or whatever, because they're in a small town in Ohio, I want to say. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. Lillian, Ohio. Yeah. So she she pulls up and she's like, oh, shit, no, I don't have a license. I can't drive him. I'm like, okay, first of all, he's already seen you. It's like, well, he's not just going to go tell his dad that you drove him. Like, he knows that's illegal. Like, kids make the silliest jumps in logic of, like, oh, because this kid's here, I can't do anything. Right? And then they do shit like set the car on fire. Like, oh, he can't even know I was here. They they do much less stuff. Yeah. They do much worse stuff. Did you ever, as, like, a kid, did you have any of those, like, irrational thoughts of, like, how you thought laws and rules worked? Uh, yeah. I had several. Um, Yeah, I can't. Re- I know I did. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I always thought like stores' inventory systems were a lot smarter than they actually are. Like if, like I, I didn't shoplift or steal anything ever, but like if you were to steal something, they would know exactly what you stole and they'd be able to track it down and everything like that. And it's like, well, no, most stores probably wouldn't know and barely even know if you'd walk out of it. And or like if you did the. Uh, like swapping price tags on something like somebody would know that they haven't 
extra one of these and one less of one of these, but like nobody would ever know that. Like no stores other than like probably super corporate stores, Target, Walmart, like these really huge stores that have a big corporate upline. Like they probably have sophisticated inventory systems, but no one else really does. Yeah. And honestly, for me, it was something as simple as I always felt like someone was watching. Like I felt like there were cops everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember one time I was going through Meyer with my dad, and I mm-hmm. stopped in the toy aisle to look at some cards, some Yu-Gi-Oh cards, I want to say, or Pokemon. And there was just – someone had ripped open like 12 packs of cards. So, there's yep. just shit everywhere, tons of free cards, and, and I'm just standing there like, damn, I see this holographic card I really want, but I can't. So I'll get arrested. I'll go yeah. to jail. Yeah, yeah, same thing, like – I'm just going to grab this. I'll put it in my pocket while I walk over to show my mom. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't put it in my pocket. They'll know. Like, then they'll they'll think I'm stealing it before I stole it. Like, minority report shit. Yeah. <laughs> Kids have funny logic, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, they definitely do. Uh, hit us on Twitter if you had any, like, weird kid logic that you thought you were breaking laws when nobody would know the difference. <laughs> that I always get a kick out of that. So, they, yeah, they go out to film their movie, and they just happen upon a train passing by, and the, the fat kid who the director, really annoying fat kid, but did a great job. Yeah, I like he, I, he was supposed to be annoying, I think. I mean, I feel like that's another trope they put in movies, is the fat kid's annoying. Or yeah. like a loner, or just super sad, and just something. Yeah, so they, as they're filming the train, they witness the train wreck and get it all on film. And from this train wreck, we get, you know, a couple lingering questions for the rest of the movie. What was on the train? Uh, why was it sad? Because somebody drove onto the track specifically to crash it. So why was it sabotaged? And what are these little cubes that they end up finding on the train? Yeah, there's a bunch of weird shit that happened. I mean, it was a weird series of events. Yeah. And the way they kind of hyped it up in the moment, it's like, okay, here's the climax of the movie. And well, and then, yeah, and then we've got kind of like the next hour of the movie is pretty boring. We've got, you know, the military government cover up. The kids it's are standard shit. It's yeah. standard shit. The kids are trying to like a little bit trying to figure it out, but a little bit not because um the the bio teacher who's a doctor and for some reason working as a middle school biology teacher um he he kind of warns them like don't say anything to anyone they'll kill you they'll kill your families blah 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 so like they have these kind of half conversations and then halfway through each conversation they're like well no we don't want to talk about it because because you know we're afraid for our families so it, it was just a lot of them treading water until the girl got kidnapped and they needed to actually do something. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like those kids would have told, like, first thing, this crazy shit they had. Mom, mom, you can't, you would never believe Especially this. Especially that fat kid. You think that fat kid kept his mouth shut for more than 10 seconds about this thing? Hell no. And no. especially after an adult was like, hey, man, you know, you might, if you say some shit, you might get killed. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you, but even in the 1970s, Stranger Danger was a thing. And if your teacher was like, hey, you might get killed if you tell people about this shit, I would go straight to my dad and be like, hey, dad. Uh, Especially if he's with the police force. But yeah, yeah so we get we get a kind of military government cover up going on. The the local police force is kind of trying to push back against them. There's some missing dogs in there, a couple missing people. Uh, a lot of the missing people, electronics and stuff. Too. Yep. Yep. I think so. It, missing or malfunctioning or both? Both. Both. OK. Um. And everyone's pretty quick to blame the Russians. You know, it's got to be the Russians. The Russians are doing this. Because in the 70s, why wouldn't you? Dude, my dad still blames the Russians for shit. 
It's ridiculous. And he says the Ruskies. <laughs> oh, the Ruskies are listening. And my dad's a smart guy. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's hilarious that they threw this this. I mean, the, the Ruskies are responsible for some things these days, too, though. Well. Gotta I mean, watch out for that Putin. Yeah, no shit. Putin's a fucking scumbag. Hey, now. Don't get this taken off the air. I would like to see them try. I don't think we're in Russia. So I don't this think anyone's America. listening in Russia. So. Yep. Well, if anyone in Russia is listening and they just heard us say this, we're sorry if you get sent to the gulag. Yeah. RB. Not not our fault. You shouldn't be listening to things you're not supposed to. <laughs> uh, so we find out the girl, her name's Alice. Uh, her father caused the accident uh, that Joe, the main char- the main boy character's uh, mother, died in. He caused that accident. But he didn't really cause it. He just called into work sick, and she covered his shift. So, like, how is that his fault? That is not his fault in reality. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just purely an accident. Like, I, I, guess I can get, one him, way to create I can get animosity. him blaming himself a little bit, but, like, okay, maybe she didn't know how to do the job, so then why was she doing that job that the accident occurred if she's covering for him? Or, like, he's the... He's the senior man on that. Like, I, I, I get kind of these leaps and bounds that can be made, but at the same time, like, accidents are accidents, and, like, just because somebody didn't show up for work doesn't mean the person who did show up is there. If he had shown up, that doesn't mean he would have died in the same situation. Like, it's an accident. It's I don't know why the rest accident. of the... T- I, I can see why he blames himself a bit. I don't know why the rest of the town would I mean, would, I would him. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. But I don't know. It's hard to say if I called off work and, but at the same time I'd be I'd be looking at management like, yo, what the fuck? Why were they doing this gig they weren't qualified for? What's up? Exactly. Uh, so then the um the girl gets kidnapped by the monster, which is pretty pretty good scary monster I'd have to say. One of the better ones. Yeah, this I, this kinda... was in the time where everything like had the long spindly legs. It would usually have like four or five legs, kind of spider like. Yeah. Looks a lot Tons like the Cloverfield eyes. monster, yeah. Yeah. Cloverfield monster was a good monster, too, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so then these, uh, the the two boys are trying, or the, the five boys, I guess, are trying to go find her, and uh, the fat kid and the main character kind of get in a fight because teenagers in movies always get mad at each other because they both like a girl or they don't like a girl or, like, whatever. But they're always getting mad at each other over girls and, like, I never did this with my friends. Like, we knew which girls we liked, and, alright, that was that dude's girl. We didn't go after her. We went and found the next girl. Well, or I mean, vice it versa. Always, it was a competition, for sure. It was always a healthy competition. It was like, hey, right, right, right. If, and, if she wasn't already taken, exactly. and, and two guys like the same though. girl, then it was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's kind of duke it out a little bit. But, but it, if it was like, okay, you know, you've, you've kind of, and I'm not trying to take agency away from girls in this situation. Like I, I know they're their own people and they can make decisions based on who they like. Like just because I liked a girl didn't mean she liked me. It, well, yeah, exactly. But that's like what we among have to do boys, that's kind of like what happens is like, you kind of talk to each other and are like, I think I'm going to go after this girl now. And, and they're like, oh no, I kind of liked her. And you're like, eh, no, I'm still going to go after her. Exactly. And, and at the it same would never time, come to this, like where you repress it and blow up at each other about it. No, you, we, I've never fist fought any of my buddies f- over a female, but it I've was always like, anyone, so. Hey man, I've, story for another day, <laughs> but I've had plenty of females that are, you know, they're beautiful creatures. You're a teenage boy. I've, 
birds and the bees. Yeah. And it comes down to, hey, bro, you know, I think she's hot. You think she's hot? May the best man win. But the second exactly. there's a front runner, there's second, like, the girl doesn't reciprocate. Yeah, you move on. The feelings towards you. Exactly. You move the fuck on. And it's like, hey, bro, good luck to you. I mean, fist fighting is over some. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> Another trope. This movie is full yeah. of cliches. Yeah, it, it really. This was, I think this was J.J. Abrams' first movie that he directed. I'd be curious to know if that is true. I'm going to have to look that up while we're talking. Uh, so it turns out the doctor, who's a middle school teacher, was part of the secret government cover up. Um, he actually Ooh. wanted to communicate with the monster. Um, and the government didn't like that so they pushed him down to being a middle school teacher apparently good for good for him yeah i another weird trope yeah the the monster can create this psychic connection uh just by touching um so like what i don't get is the government tested with these blocks and everything and then didn't make any progress so like at some point somebody's telling you the monster wants his shit back like just give it to him I don't get why why you continue testing. Like, what new test are you going to do to figure it out? At some point, you got to cut your losses. Because we're human beings, dude. <laughs> yeah. And we and we stomp shit long after it's been stomped five hundred different ways. We're weird. Yeah. We're weird. Yeah. It is another cliche. Oh my goodness. That's true. We we just keep hitting them. I would love to have some leverage though over like an alien. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you thing. if you help him out, maybe he, maybe he'll throw you a bone here. Maybe he'll show you how to use the cool little blocks that build a spaceship, like they're Legos. Like that was a cool spaceship too. That was a cool spaceship, and I like that was probably one of my favorite little things about it that it, mm-hmm. it could change its shape. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean that was really practical. Surprisingly practical, honestly. <laughs> oh, he had done Mission Impossible three before that. Oh, we also directed an episode of The Office, Cocktails. Fun fact. Not ringing any bells. Cocktails? The one where they go to David Wallace's house and uh, have cocktails? Karen and Jim are dating. Um, Karen keeps telling Jim that she dated everyone else at the party. Jim and David Wallace go out and uh, play basketball. Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. Oh, he did a lot before this. He did Mission Impossible 3. Star- oh, the first Star Trek was even before this. Okay. So he had plenty of time to work on his cliches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. just like, he's like, dude, I'm fucking doing it. He's talking to all his buddies. Like, hey, man, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Like, no, man, don't do not do it, JJ. I'm fucking <laughs> doing it, bro. I'm making a movie with every I got one cliche. more cliche to put in. Don't worry. <laughs> and everything. Well, even the, the ship and how it came together, like, that was kind of a thing that went on. So this movie was made in 2011. And this was like this thing that kept happening in movies around that time was there would be all these little pieces that would come together to form this big thing. Like Big Hero 6, you have kind of the same thing uh, where the, they developed this material that's just a little thing. And like nanotechnology was becoming a cool thing. So it was always like all these little things come to make one big thing. And so, yeah, another cliche there. Poor JJ. Yeah, well, it's not his fault. And the kid gives up his mom lo- mom's locket at the end as the uh, alien flies off. Wait, why are you giving up that locket? Like that's your connection to your mom. Why? Do, like you can just hold that. The ship will be gone in a minute. I guess that's the last piece it needed. Apparently, I, I it guess just had so. to have that. that I mean, there's a lot of like other it. metal around, though. I think that's a greedy alien. That yeah. greedy pig. What a jerk. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the whole movie. I I really liked it the first time I saw it. I remember this time. You know, by the third time, not so much. You kind of pick up on all these cliches. Uh, the kids all really did a good job, though. Like, it's hard when you have six or seven kid actors. And they all did a pretty good job of what they were doing. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I'll say this for this movie: the first time through, if you if you don't have time to poke holes in it and you're just yeah, watching yeah. a movie, it's a good movie. Yeah, when like, you're watching it with like an analytical mind and like trying to break it down, then you kind of see these things that we pointed out. Yeah, major things, but. It, so just have fun, fun if you're going to watch it. Yeah, exactly. It, look at it like we did in our past uh, episode we did for our random reviews of Force of One. It was just a fun romp. Uh, same kind of thing. It's it's a fun little romp. You'll watch it, throw it on in the background, and it's a good movie to have, but it's not something I'm going to watch 25 times. No, it's it's definitely well made, um, but it's, it's not a watch over and over again. Like I said, I probably won't watch it again until my kids are old enough to watch it because i think they'd probably like it at that point but for right now it is what it is and it's going to stay where it is um you got a rating for it i'm gonna give it a solid seven. Ooh, straight seven i'll give it like a 7.6 because it is really well made and i really remember enjoying it the first time uh just after rewatches and rewatches it kind of wears a bit thin yeah i'm giving it the seven for rewatchability factor yeah i i get that that's still it's still a, a a decent rating. I'll give it that. All right, so that brings us to time to pick next month's movie. We're going back to straight random. This one was a you know we fudged it a little bit and picked something that we knew we liked, uh, or at least would enjoy watching. But this time we're going straight random. In the month of July between 1975 and 2015, there were 505 movies released. So we go to our random number generator and we get number 205 stormbreaker stormbreaker 2006 or yeah 2006 action adventure directed by jeffrey Sachs. 5.1 on imdb 93 minutes so at least it's not a long bad movie let's look it up stormbreaker yeah i mean that's the name of thor's hammer bro yeah, it's so, got to be good, I'm right? I'm there. I'm there. It's a, Mar- uh, it's a Marvel what? tie-in. Easter egg. might not be able... Yeah, this doesn't exist on IMDb. So we will not be watching that. Dang! Okay. Where'd it go? Why is it there? Jeffrey Sachs. Let me just look him up and see if he exists. Jeffrey Sachs. He does I'm... not exist on IMDb. Awesome. So, I was okay. say, I'd laugh if that was like a porno or something. <laughs> Stormbreaker. Alright, we're going to delete that one off the list. Alright. Oh, I spelled it wrong, that's why. There he is. Hold on, let me just see if I can look through his IMDb and find him. Or find this movie, 2006. Alex Ryder, Operation Stormbreaker. Okay, that's different. Just has a little bit different name. After the death of his uncle, the 14-year-old schoolboy is forced by Special Operations Division of the UK's secret intelligence into a mission which will save millions of lives. All right, now I want to watch this. Yeah, that sounds dope. Let's do it. It's called, uh, so it's called Alex Ryder Operation Stormbreaker. So I just didn't have the full title there. God damn it, Calvin. Sorry, yeah. I, that's not my fault. It was the list I found. Uh, no one I know in it. Yeah, let's Ewan do McGreg- it. Oh, Ewan McGregor, Bill Nye. Okay. Yeah, I'm always Mickey Rourke, Andy Serkis, Alicia Silverstone. Oh shit! And it got a 5.1. You said? Yeah, this is those people in 2006. Now Alicia Silverstone was not popular for about eight years at that point. Yeah. 
That's true. And Mickey Rourke, I mean, he's had like 38 yeah. plastic surgeries by that point. Yeah. Hugh McGregor should have been on the game, though. This will be interesting. I like that. I he was pr- he's probably still recovering from uh, the Star Wars prequels. I don't think there's anything to recover from there. Great movies. Oh, rated PG. Can't get it on DVD Netflix. That sucks. Yeah, I was, we'll have we'll have fun finding this finding, for you yeah. folks. Thank God for digital stuff. Yeah, hopefully it's it exists. Uh, all right, well that's all we've got for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a patron. We love you guys. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Welcome to a podcast about something's Patreon exclusive. Once a month, we review a random movie released in that month between 1975 and 2015. We got another random review coming in hot this month. It's an epic one. Stormbreaker. Operation Stormbreaker. Yeah, you better get it right. You need to respect this movie. Alex Ryder, Operation Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker! Has nothing to do with Thor's axe. Or storms. No storms. Uh, Stormbreaker is the name of a computer that is going to be placed into schools with a virus. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers if you're going to watch this. Um, actually, based on a book series, a, a young adult book series, uh, really launched in the time of the young adult boom. This was... Uh, that explains so yeah, much yeah, right off the bat. Yeah, this movie came out in 2006. The, I want to say the book series is something like 20 books strong. Holy Christ! Oh my God! More movies, but this one was not really very good, so they didn't keep making movies. See, honestly, from the get-go, I thought this was just a parody movie. No, like no. like how we have in American spy movies, the English dude's the bad guy, yeah. whereas in this, you know, the English dude is, uh, I mean, or the American dude is the horrible bad guy. Yeah, Mickey Rourke is the bad guy. Uh, but honestly, I don't know how we had never heard of this. 2006, I was in college. We've got Ian McGregor, Alicia Silverstone, Bill Nye, Mickey Rourke, and Andy Serkis is in there. Yeah, they had a lot of really, and Damian, Damian Lewis from Banner Brothers was also in that. I mean, they had a lot of people in there, which was surprising. It, it had a lot of prompts. It's it's a, uh, just a little background, it is a spy movie following a teenager. Basically, his uncle gets killed, and he gets thrown into basically his uncle's life of being a spy and investigating this evil company that wants to put these computer viruses in the schools. Yes, that's creating the Stormbreaker system, and at the head of that is Mickey Rourke's evil character, which I thought, I was fucking pissed, dude. Ewan Ewan McGregor was in this movie for like six minutes, if that. Yeah, they gave him really high billing, though, because, like, he was just coming off of Star Wars and probably a couple other things, and then he was was in and out pretty quick. Uh, But this, like I said, this was that (coughs) YA boom and I guess it's, it was really easy for stuff to go under the radar. You never knew what was going to hit or not hit. Like, Hunger Games and Twilight blew up, but something, and Maze Runner, for some reason, got three movies. But something like Percy Jackson only got one movie and a straight-to-DVD sequel, which I really, yeah. really thought the Percy Jackson story, I watched that movie, and the movie's not really that great, and the actors aren't great. But I thought the, the framing of it, the story is really cool. 
Oh yeah, I mean they had a lot to choose from too, like Aragon, Artemis Fowl. They had a bunch of stuff to choose from, and they they I don't know, it was kind of booty. It was one of those booty meat books they chose. Yeah, and you know it just so this one also it got one movie and and died on the table quickly after because I looked, I tried to see like I can tell it was supposed to be a series, so I'm like, all right, where's the rest of the series? Does it exist? It doesn't. This is the only movie they made, and all of the uh, IMDb trivia is not even about the movie. It's like, well, here's where all 20 book series go. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't care what goes on in this movie. Here's what the books do. There wasn't much information about it, and I, I was really, you know, it's tough for me to click OK on the three ninety nine bill for that, or yeah. $2.99, however, it was, however yeah, much it was. I, I, I would like to get that money back. Amazon, if you're listening. Shout out, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. yeah, I need it. I'm a penny pitcher. <laughs> Uh, we do get a Harry Potter shout-out in the movie at one point. He asks, I was waiting uh, for it. Yeah, really really strange. I I, I kind of like these types of stories where it's a kid that gets taken out of his comfort zone and thrown in this world where he's way over his head. I mean, we just did our episode on Spider-Man, and this kind of goes right along with that. Of you take this, this teenager and put him in over his head. He has no idea what's going on in this world. And he's got to figure it out and, and use whatever he can to get through it. You to uses teenager ways to get through it. I usually really like that stuff, but this movie was just not very good. It, it took it so over the top. Like, yeah. from the moment the, the funeral for his uncle goes down and he catches, like, the bad guy stealing his uncle's shit, and he takes off on the 10-speed... It's just like, it's just like, okay. And he's just booking it through London, like, pumping as hard as he can. And you can tell he's, like, hardly moving. But he's keeping pace with this van somehow. It just, it's incredible. And then, you know, it boils into a... He's been trained his whole life to become a spot. Like, I fucking guess, but, I mean, you can't train to predict traffic in London. You just throw that out there. But, and, and then going to the junkyard and somehow surviving the vehicle being crushed. Yeah, and then just... Kung Fu roping a bunch of giant junkyard dudes and a dog. It's like, okay. <laughs> they really dove right in as soon as they did that. It's like, okay, I see what kind of movie this is. So the, the kid that plays Alex Ryder, the main character, uh, his name is Alex Pettifer, and there was a time in the late 2000s, early 2010s, I thought he was going to be huge. He was he was in I Am Number 4, he was in uh, this Beauty and the Beast remake called Beastly with one of the Olsen twins. Like, they were really trying to throw him into all this young adult stuff, and then he just stopped being a thing. So he's just not good. He's not very good. He's really not good in this movie. I liked him in I Am Number 4. Um, the Beast Never seen that. Beastly is not good. Well, I Am Number 4, that's another one that should have been a series and got cut off after the first one. So don't waste your time watching it, because it's not a full movie. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, he goes into the spy life. We have this super cheesy training montage of him. Oh my god! The worst part of the movie. It's just like let's just dump this fourteen-year-old kid into a special ops training facility. We we have no names here. As they try to punk him out, he just jumped around. And it was like day one, day nine, day fourteen, day three. It was like what what the hell? What, what's going on with these days? Seriously, and of course he has the the heart to heart with his platoon mates, yeah. and they have his back, which comes in later. Yes, they do, and then uh, we get a lot of scenes between Bill Nighy and uh, Alicia Silverstone, where they're just, I don't know what they're doing with their faces, but they're going for it. Whatever it is, they're, they're just making facial expressions, doing some weird things with their voices. I, yeah, they're, 
thing. He was cracking me up. He was cracking me up, though. So, again, the evil plan is we're going to put these computers with a computer virus into the schools, and uh, this, this special ops uh, branch of MI6 doesn't trust the Mickey Rourke character. They don't trust the guy behind it. And I just have to wonder, like, because they say... Uh, Outsider asks him, you know, why are we going after this guy? You know, he just seems like a nice guy putting uh, computers in schools. And Bill Nye's character goes, we don't trust him. That's what we do. We don't trust him. Like, <laughs> All right, it pays off in this case. But how many times are you wrong on that stance? Yeah, I bet a lot. How, how many people are you sending on secret missions to go look at these factories and they're like, nah, man, there's, yeah, there's nothing there's here. here. Yeah. It's fucking boring. I might just, I quit, actually. I'm going to get a job here. Cheese is very good. We just wasted all this time and effort training me, uh, but, you know, this is all on the up and up. Like, Peace how out. How does that happen? They just, just trust absolutely no one. Yeah, I don't know. The Brits. Yeah, so their their big plan is they're going to send um, Alex in as this other kid who won a contest from a magazine, a com- quote-unquote computer nerd magazine. <laughs> Dude, okay, the next 20 minutes of this movie are so wonky it's just it, dude my head was spinning at this point because you quickly find out that the bad guy's mickey rourke and it's just full-on mickey rourke and then he wins the the raffle or whatever you know they kind of work him around and then they send him to a goddamn toy store a toy store that, to get his gadgets. gadgets well i'm not there yet i'll get to the gadgets in a minute but so they, he doesn't win the raffle, some other kid wins the raffle, but they make him pretend to be that kid, basically, and put his picture on the magazine. And his big problem is, he says, well, I'm not a computer nerd, which I, I'm really <laughs> use of computer nerd. Seriously, you geek. <laughs> they have my six people, they hand him four books, and they're like, you will be. <laughs> Read this very quickly. Not four good books on like one of them is Windows XP for dummies. Dummies, yeah, I saw that too. Let me just tell you, as a computer nerd, Windows XP for dummies is not going to get you there. I didn't see what the other three books were, but having that book in your hand not going to help. That's like, here's where the start menu is. Here's how you open MS Paint. Well, I mean, what's funny is. That was like the only spine that pointed towards the camera, so it was like the only thing you could see. I felt like everything else was turned around. I thought about pausing it and like trying to zoom in and frame by frame, and I'm like, nah, no, I don't. I don't yeah, you know, fuck Alex. They're not good books. No, if that's the one I'm seeing, if that's the one catching my eye, it's not. That's not the one they're showing us. The other three aren't, aren't any better. And Watch the rest, just be like. We'll, we'll go to the gadgets, but he gets there and doesn't actually use any of the computer nerd knowledge. Like, they're just like, here's this thing. You He's like, cool, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's get into the gearing up scene. He goes to the toy store, which the gearing up scene is always the best part of any spy movie. Like, so they, get, kind of they give him some yeah, dumb... Like, I thought I was watching the Austin Powers movie. Yeah. It, it was just like, what? Bad. They give him a goddamn yo-yo? Like, a fucking yeah, yeah, yo-yo? basically Spider-Man spider-webbing as the strength. Yeah, but how far does it go? It, either way, it was just like, okay, that is obviously not a real yo-yo. That looks so fake. Yeah. And then metal melting zit cream. I don't think he ever used that one either. Yeah, he did. He used it. He used it towards the end. Um, but what else? They give him a Nintendo DS with yeah four separate cartridges. This one's a tracking device, and this one's like a smoke bomb. And you know, yeah, it's it's not Mario, bro. It's Mario. Why do I have Mario Kart? 
because you, you know for your flight. He's also a, a famous guy too. I think he was in uh, V for Vendetta. Yeah. Yeah. He he's he's like a that guy. Like he's in a lot of movies, but you would never. Yeah. He's not ever a star in movies. I don't know. Either way, during the gearing up scene, I'm just like, the fuck is this? What are you showing me? This is so dumb. You give him a goddamn Game Boy for real? Okay. So then he goes, he goes to test out the Stormbreaker, and it's like this big VA, VR rig. VR is still not this cool, and I feel like it never will be. Like, no, they went really, really like, over the top. Yeah, I know. He's just in this perfectly, like, clear and clean, and, how you know. Put that, how are you going to put 70,000 of those in schools? Yeah, no shit. Do you think a school district is going to pay for that? Well, no, they were, he was giving them for free. That was the point. But you, I mean, you gotta have operating costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's gotta be insane, especially like. Really hot too. Oh yeah, I bet and kids breaking stuff and yeah, you know. I just I want to give a shout out here to his uh, what is her name? Nadia. Nadia. She's from Gotham. And what is she doing? Oh, dude, she is. She's going for it hard, my man. Super weird, because she figures out that he's Alex Ryder, and she goes to, like, try and figure out more about him. So she goes and has this, like, super awful chick fight with Alicia Silverstone. With I mean, I, I closed my eyes for a little while, and I thought I was watching Wimbledon. It was a really bad fight. It was not very good. And then she got caught with a uh, pufferfish. Yeah, yeah. And, and her hand, Which, I like that. That was funny because her hand kept like swelling more and more throughout the Never paid off. Never paid off. Oh, it's too bad. It just kept happening. I liked it. I thought I was waiting for her to like just drop dead from it yeah, though. Yeah. So then Alex uh, finds the secret layer underneath the, the uh, factory where they're literally injecting a virus into computers. I <laughs> know, like a, a, an organic virus. That's not how computer viruses work. Well, I mean, th it's an actual... Yeah, it, it pays off, it's an actual virus, but, like, this kid who read Windows XP for Dummies, and those three other books, he Yeah, it's just seeing this, and he's like, he's like this looks this looks logical, I, this looks right, he, I'm scared now. Where he thought it was, like, a computer virus, he's like, why are, you, why are you infecting them with computer virus? I saw you injecting it, and he's like, oh, wait... <laughs> no, no, all those innocent people. It's like, dude, what the fuck? And it's like a giant syringe with like neon green liquid too, and and it goes. <laughs> exactly. Surely did later. We finally find out that the the whole evil plan is he's injecting this actual virus into these computers. And he has basically a kill switch that the Prime Minister is going to push on launch day, and it's going to aerate the virus into all the schools, and millions of kids will die, including the Prime Minister, because the Prime Minister bullied him when he was a kid. I know, and called him Darius Smells. He's really going to kill millions of people. What a booty-ass booty. Yeah, I mean, seriously, how long has he been planning this? Forever, Mickey Rourke looks a hundred. Genius, you gotta be a millionaire. You've gotta figure out how to, you know, get up with these guys who can put the virus in your computers. You gotta build the backup in your tower. Very strange. Then we get, so much. Um, so they they stop it. They stop the prime minister from pushing the button. But there's a there's a failsafe. There's a backup button in the tower. Mickey Rourke's racing to get there. Alex Ryder figures this out. And then we get the high speed horse race. 
dude, okay, we gotta go back a little bit. Oh, okay, then. So, so from the high-speed horse race, okay, isn't this after, oh, man, I got, I got so lost. Yes, so he escaped, you know, okay, so he escaped from this compound, he shot a harpoon into a fucking runway using helicopter, Not and then he... Legit. I saw them do that like three times in Fast and Furious 6. I've never seen anything like that, but anyways, and he Not takes over... I'm not. Hodge and Shaw, I'll be there. And he takes over Andy Serkis. Fly me to London, bro. And then he f jumps out of a plane, parachutes down with no goggles, seeing perfectly clearly. Pinpoint accuracy. Yeah, <laughs> pinpoint, pinpoint accuracy. And instead of just, like, yelling out, don't touch that button, he sees his homeboy from, uh, from special ops training, gets his gun, and then shoots the button. Shoots it, dude. So yeah. I, I kind of, I was doing laundry while I was watching, so I kind of missed some of the details like that. Well, I mean, he shot the button, and, like, it, you know, it took the whole clip, and then he kind of, like, sits back for a second, like, job well done. Yeah, I'm a beast. So then him and Alicia Silverstone realize that they're going back to the, the office building or whatever. They get stuck in traffic, obviously. But he sees his uh, wannabe girlfriend on her horse with her riding class, and he uh, commandeers the horse. Yeah, he's like, hey, yo, give me that. Well, that goes with him, and then, like, like, I don't know what was going on, but the people who made this movie must have thought that this high-speed horse action was really, really fucking cool. It was not. It was not cool at all. <laughs> it was really stupid. But, so there's a really good story. One of the few things I found out on the IMDb trivia, really good story behind this. Because the actor was only 15, in the books, it's a car chase to, to get back to the, to the office. But because he was only 15, he couldn't drive a car. And instead of using a stunt double, they came up with this idea to do it as a horse chase instead. Yeah, what, what, what about the ATV? I mean, he drives on the ATV. You don't need a license for it. Uh, or, like, it's probably a closed course. He can probably drive, you know, because they're shooting a movie. Or that is so lame. Get a 16-year-old stunt double with a wig. Yeah, I mean, any 17-year-old blonde could rock that role. That is so, dumb. He finally gets there, and, you know, he's about to push the button, Mickey Rourke's about to push the button, it's gonna kill all these people. Motherfucker comes up, unplugs it. Yeah. Game over. Yeah, yeah, so unplug it here. It was easy to spot, too. It had two arrows pointing to it. Danger, and, like, will result in death. Pointing right to it, like, hey, it's right here. Just the, the sign was phrased weird. It was like, danger of death, or something like that. Yeah. Was, yeah. With skull and crossbones. Yeah, and I thought there was a moment where it looked like Mickey Rourke and Alex Ryder were going to kiss. Didn't happen. I was ready, man. Yeah. Mickey Rourke was uh, rocking that blue eyeliner hard. You know, it, and th there was another really funny part. Uh, Mickey Rourke's trying to shoot either Alex Ryder or his girlfriend. Oh, no, that's why he was trying to shoot Alex Ryder, and his girlfriend comes out of nowhere and tackles him, right? And uh, he shoots his gun, but it shoots up in the air, and then it, it flashes down to, like, the police on the street level. Yeah, with the pigeon. falls down next to him. I thought that was really funny. Like, yeah, he just looks over for a second. I don't know. I was dying when Darius Smell pulls out a 50 caliber Desert Eagle and Alex Ryder has a electrical cord and he says, Get back! Back you! And he, like, he's trying to, yeah! He's trying to whip Mickey Rourke. And it's like, why don't you just shoot this kid? Just bang. One time. He's done.
Yeah. I, I there were act, there was some funny stuff. There was some like so cheesy it's funny stuff. There was it was very campy. They're trying to make this campy and funny stuff. I, it was it was pretty enjoyable to be honest. It was a, it was a goofy movie. It p- made work pass by. Yeah, it was clearly an attempt to make James Bond for kids. And with a PG rating, it's just really, really hard to do that. Like, it's hard to make a spy thriller for children. Because yeah. there's so much that goes that You've got the women, you've got, you know, the death. The guns, the booze, the cars. Just things that you can't show to impressionable young minds are all tied up in the spy genre, which tune in next week to a podcast about something we'll be talking all about the spy genre. Bang, bang, boom. Yeah, it's just really hard to do. What do you got for a rating for this one? Let me give it like a four, four point two. Way low. I gave it four yeah. point eight because it was it was campy and enjoyable. Like it was, I'm not gonna watch it again, but it was it was like funny. I didn't feel like I wasted my time. It was short enough. I, I just kept. It was very. It was one of those where if I had drank like three beers, maybe four, yeah. I probably would have given it like a six, Definitely just because it it was really funny. Yeah, it it was it was just. A lot of it was just so outrageous and so out there. I had a hard time just going with it. Yeah, I'll give you that. That's yeah. That, it, it was rough at times. Are we ready to pick next week's or uh, next month's, or do, do we have anything more on Alex Ryder? I think that's it for Alex Ryder. I think he's ready to go to bed. Yeah, school night. Our August list, which again, this is every movie between 1975 and 2015 that was released in the month of August. And just on the first page, August is a good month. You know, you got the the summer, the late end summer blockbusters coming out. So just on the, the first page here of my Excel spreadsheet, I've got Triple X, Noise, Argo, Crank, Blade, uh, Fate, Jack, with Robin Williams. A lot of great movies just on the front page. So I'm excited to see what we get. We have. 669 Sounds like everyone that's probably in it is either dead or not in Hollywood anymore. We'll see. We'll see. Sounds good. Which would be like Michael Caine, Ian McKellen. <laughs> it's a bunch of great shit. Ritz is Jack Weston, Rita Moreno, Jerry Stiller. He's always funny. I don't know if he was funny in the 70s, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't really know any of these people. Nope. On his deathbed, Carmine Vespucci's mobster father tells him to get Proclo. Carmine's brother-in-law, Gaetano, this is so confusing, with the hit on, Gaetano tells the cab driver to take him where Carmine, take him where Carmine can't find him. He arrives at the Ritz, a gay bathhouse where he is pursued amorously by Chevy Station. Oh, this is going to be great. Dude, no way, man! Are you serious? Bring it. What a great time. I live for this shit. So what is this called? The Ritz? The Ritz. R-I-T-Z? Yep. Well, that will be interesting. Thank you for coming to listen to our random review. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. Now, only $1 a month gets you all the content. Tell your friends that they should also subscribe. 
Definitely. Thanks for stopping by. Welcome to a podcast about something's Patreon exclusive. Once a month, we review a random movie released in that month between 1975 and 2015. The Ritz was our movie of the month from 1970 something or other, and feels every bit of it, doesn't it, Nick? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's so dated. It's so dated. It's a rough, rough watch in 2019. Just because it's it's very cringy. It's very, but I tell you what, man, I was half. It was more like a weird curiosity than anything that I kept watching. But but I I, I couldn't stop watching it. I can tell you that. Yeah, I didn't want to keep it turned on, but I didn't want to look away either. It was very strange. So the plot basically is. Uh, man's brother-in-law is out to kill him. He arrives at a hotel in New York City on the run from his brother-in-law who's trying to kill him after his father-in-law died just out of natural causes. And um, But what he doesn't know is that it's actually a gay bathhouse. Dun-dun-dun! Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought it was going to be like a, the fancy hotel, the Ritz. I thought that was like a fancy hotel. But, it is not that. Uh, it isn't that in this movie. It's like, I'll tell you what, though. The inside is kind of cool, man. Um, but I, w- I must say, seeing the brother-in-law, which is actually Ben Stiller's dad. Yep. And you Jerry can Stiller see, like, every ounce of Ben Stiller's physical comedy. You can tell he got that shit from his dad. He gives I mean, if you've of- ever seen any Seinfeld with uh, Frank Costanza, yeah, then you, you understand the hilarity of – or even King of Queens. You understand the hilarity of Jerry – Stiller, it's just like, I don't know. This movie was uh, didn't put anyone in a really a good light. No, I mean, you saw him for like two minutes at the beginning and then 12 minutes at the end. It was just, <clears throat> it had no idea what it wanted to, to do. It was so, so all over the place. But it's just a very bananas. bizarre film. Very. It was bananas. That's the best way I can think to say it. So he gets to the hotel. He doesn't really know it's a gay safe haven or, or like this gay bathhouse where all the gay members of uh, New York, you know, kind of they, – they can be free there. Let's just say that for lack of a better word. Yeah. It's the 70s. It's you know, 70s it, it, you couldn't sure. really be open a, open with your gayness everywhere. So they had – this was kind of a safe place for them to just be who they are and be who they want to be. And guess what? At this place, there are all kinds of crazy homos. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy gay dudes. And they drop the hard F word. And oh, yeah. This movie had all kinds of crazy trumped up bullshit. We can, but the guy he was just like... He learns about chubby chasers. Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. Chubby... Ch- <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. It was just... It was out there, man. The character... you. So let me say. Uh, the guy you're following... Uh, I still don't even remember his name. I, I don't put know it, his name. He, he changed it like six times. But well, yeah, because he he gave them his brother-in-law's name to like try and stay under the radar. Carmine and something. Yeah, Carmine. And then somebody else thought he was that person, and it, it, it was very strange. I don't know his name either. I watched it like two weeks ago too, so I, I didn't. Probably should have wrote it in my notes somewhere, but I didn't because it didn't feel like it was important. I don't know. It stuck with me though. 
But he told this taxi driver, just take me somewhere that this dude won't find me. So that he takes nobody him, will find me. Yeah, yeah, to the gay bathhouse, I guess. <laughs> and right off the bat, they, they're in the front lobby for like 20 minutes, it feels like, just meeting the string of characters. Like you meet this mm-hmm. odd dude with a foldable bike, this Hispanic chick who is just this trumped up like Cuban may, caricature. May or may not. I think she's Puerto Rican and she may or may not be a transvestite. Yes. Everyone the, thinks she is. They all assume she's a transvestite. Yes. She's also like but a But she a might singer. actually not be. But yes. dude, that's – she reminds she's me of Scarface. <laughs> you I can see that. I like the Chubby Chaser. He was kind of funny. He reminded me a lot of Dean Pelton from Community. That makes sense. Yeah, he kind of looked like him yeah. too. Yeah, a little bit. And just kind of the the over the top, but still kind of uh, behind the curtain gayness to him. Yeah, very um, very funny. He he was he was chill, dude. Surprisingly he might have been chill. the only like he might have been the only funny gay caricature because there were a lot of gay caricatures in this film. Uh, I don't know if I can call it a film in this uh, piece of art. Let's call it <laughs> this progressive ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> so he. The main character, he finds out really early in the plot that it that it is what it is, which I was surprised by. I thought there would be a lot more hijinks uh, leading up to him finding out, and that would kind of be the turning point. But he finds out pretty quickly where he is and what goes on there. And then the the most of the hilarity, if we can call it that, is him trying to keep the homos away from him because obviously, you know, the homos, they can't withstand a straight man in their midst. I don't even know if it was that, dude. It was just – that's not kind of – No, it's not that at all. They they just trump – they way over blue. They made it the stereotypical like – Well, and they didn't make like one person – I know exactly what you're saying. They they, they had all of the gay stereotypes thrown oh, in. Oh, yeah, wasn't it, like, all in one for everybody, and it just <laughs> – yeah, there was no It wasn't sane, the token gay character yeah. that you see in like 90s movies or early 2000s. It's – for each gay stereotype, we're gonna have a different character. Which was we got the we got the terrible. to thought of transvestite. We've got the the chubby chaser over the top guy. We've got the he's my favorite the sexually expressive guy who's just like always fucking naked. Chris, we've got we've got the uh, the cop who he wasn't gay. He was there trying to chase him down, or the detective, whatever detective he was. Brick. With the with the really high voice, but everybody he, thinks he's gay because he, he has the high voice. You meet him in the front lobby, and he's he's sent there by the brother-in-law to follow our main dude, and he walks up to the counter all serious in his big trench coat and hat. I'll take a room, please. <laughs> he's really freaked out by the maybe maybe not transvestite too. I think he's he's freaked out by all the the gay, yeah, yeah that's that's what he definitely is. The main guy kind of flowed with it, especially with the chubby chaser dude. Because this guy, oh god, what he is just this he just didn't want to be come on to. Like he was like, yeah, he, he was fine with where he was. He just didn't want the chubby chaser to keep coming after him. Which turns out he served. Claude Perkins was the chubby chaser. He served in the army. I remember his name, but not yeah, Claude the main Perkins. character. But he, <laughs> he was served just... in the army with the main character at some point, and he can't believe that he turned out gay. Yeah, I mean he's just really sick because he didn't turn out gay, or he wasn't. You know, gay. Well, or an army man shouldn't know. be gay. I think is is what they're getting at. Exactly, and I mean, I'm sure Claude knew that in the army he was gay, just couldn't express that shit. But he just wants to go to sleep. 
but I, yeah, he and, just needs a place to lie down for the night, get away from the brother-in-law. Yeah, Claude was a little aggressive though, man. He locked him in his room and started straight up throwing candy bars through the window. <laughs> He's talking about this huge spread of delicious <laughs> food, and I'm just sitting there like, oh my god, this sounds so good. Hmm, what would I allow myself to be sexually assaulted for all this candy? Hmm. Not even candy. He's, I mean, this is like a ten-course meal. He's like in a chocolate layer cake and a roast <laughs> and all this crazy stuff, and it's like, I don't know, man. Well, then the, the really may, may, maybe, maybe not transvestite uh, tries to seduce him because she thinks he's a producer and she's like – she's a singer. She's a performer of some sort that thinks she's really good and she's really terribly bad. Um, but I will have to say out of all of the stuff that's going on, security is pretty solid in this place. Yeah, like seriously. They, those guys are – They keep Claude Perkins away from him you know, when they can help it. They, uh, when he walks in on the dude who wants to be naked all the time, like they kick him out quick. They, they, you know, they've got a handle on the tra- transvestite woman. Like that, the security is top notch. And they're which is great. It's like go. Tiger and something else. I don't even remember the other guy's name, but I wrote specifically three notes about these guys. I wrote the security is fabulous. Yep. Bunch of maybe dudes. you need to work there. I, yeah, you said you've you've been looking for a new job. There we go. I'm they fucking need good, some extra y'all. security got, at the Ritz. I got maced. And I'm good. Fuck security. Suck it. (laughs) And then I wrote a bunch of dudes on the floor start flexing on the fat dude (laughs) when when they all start like crowding around him and they're just flexing. And I wrote assless chaps and all was my was my last note. So, I mean, that kind of gives you a little glimpse of how stereotypical these guys are. But they are a lot of them are just kind of goofy and and funny, like the scene, this, this dude's physical comedy react he almost reminded me of like an off-brand John Goodman, just not a yeah, not like as him good. Or, or like a, a John Belushi kind of yeah, type exactly, guy. exactly, or Chris Farley even like that kind of weird physical wacky comedy. He's a, he's a little bit toned down from those guys, but he's got kind of the same thing going on of like I'm fat and I'm gonna play into that a little bit, but I'm also like gonna be physical with it. Like he he does a good job. He did a pretty good job reacting. I think I've seen him people. in other things. I didn't he really look too so extensively. Familiar. He does look familiar though. So yeah. familiar. So then uh, eventually Jerry Stiller catches up to him at the the Ritz, and they're basically Jerry Stiller and the main character. They're trying to straight bait each other. Mm-hmm. where they've got like the gay guys that they know or the detective and the always naked gay guy are trying to seduce the other one like it was really confusing what they were doing there while the other one hid under the bed and they were just they're trying to straight bait each other and take pictures so that they could <laughs> own the the uh this dude's company it was yeah like, garbage like, company yeah, that's garbage what it was company. it was just some wacky ass shit man it really was but then it turns out he also owns the Ritz. He also owns like the prostitutes that run through there. Like he owns the cab company that brought the main character there. So Jerry Stiller and their family owns all this shit. And they, I guess, in the end, we find out maybe Jerry Stiller is a uh, patron of this place. I think that's, I think that's what kind of what we're supposed to expect at the end. Blood. Yeah. But I, I, my favorite part of the whole movie was when he showed up. And he's kind of just like walking through. You, you, he was another one who's just like really freaked out to be there. And he's just walking and he just – I don't know why I found it funny, but basically nothing is happening. He's just walking along and all of a sudden this guy's like somewhat near him. He's like, hey, watch your step, Mac. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? Watch your step, Mac? But I don't know. 
know. It was just it was a really goofy ass thing to say. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the whole movie was a goofy ass thing to to be made. Like, I can't believe this movie was made. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the '70s, so I I get that. Like, we were more liberal with these kind of things and not as woke. But it's it's still pretty rough, even for the '70s. The main. So the plan was. That Jerry Stiller, once the father died, the father-in-law died, Jerry Stiller didn't want to share the sanitation or any of the companies that he had his hands in with his brother-in-law, who is the main character. So he tricks him, I guess, into going to the Ritz because he owns the cab company. The cab company takes him to the Ritz. He owns the Ritz. And basically he wanted the detective to catch him there in homosexual acts, even though he's the main character is not a homosexual. He wanted to to somehow catch him in the act. Ha, he I guess he thinks just someone will automatically come on to him because you know gay people be crazy. Well, that's just how I mean. They, they just come on to is, anyone. That's just what I they guess did so. back then. I guess. Any of our gay listeners, you know, let us know if you just can't help yourself around other men. I'm sure that's how it is. Yeah, exactly. So he he wants to catch him. He's trying to have the detective catch him, take pictures, and then basically blackmail him into giving up his shares in the company and because he doesn't want to share his company with a homo even though he's not actually a homo. He has to force him into a situation. Anyway, the, the tables all get turned at some point, and uh, Jerry Stiller gets handcuffed to a bed, and then <laughs> like the main character sends Claude Perkins into that room – Basically to sexually assault him after knocking him out and handcuffing him to the bed? Pretty much, yeah. Just, this is Yeah, very... like that's what's going to happen, right? This is graphic violence, y'all. Yeah. Special he's like, hey, hey, your, your chubby chaser, he's in room 103 or whatever the room is. And like Dean Pelton's going in there to, to go to town. <laughs> yeah, that was a really weird scene, man. Yeah. Just just another one. There was like a series of super weird scenes in the yeah, last there was like, like 35 a minutes. Of an hour and about 35 minutes of weird scenes oh, in this yeah. movie. Like right around this time. Uh, right Kumi, around at like the 001 mark, it started getting weird. Dude, it was, it was out there. Like when Gooby, the transvestite Cuban lady, or whatever she is, um, mm-hmm. when she, she straight up grabs the main character by his dick. And throws him down a laundry chute, and then yells "Bendejo!" and jumps down the motherfucker. Too. No, she did that to Claude Perkins. I thought. No, I thought she did that to. No, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that no, was because Claude, Claude Perkins, Perkins was making fun of her for being that Puerto Rican or something Perkins. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She grabbed the chubby, which makes chaser. more sense because he's really tiny, so yeah. it was like easier for him to throw her. But either way, she picked up a dude by his nutsack and threw him down a fucking laundry chute, <laughs> and then yelled "Bendejo!" and jumped after him. Like what? And then the dude's wife shows up, and so she's in she... on it with with the brother-in-law. Is she though? And she may or may not get assaulted. She's in it. She wants the money, but then she ends up walking away from from the brother with the husband. Like I really don't like know what happened cool. with her. I have no idea, man. I think that I think she, like she was kind of ugly, and she was supposed to be kind of ugly. So I think they just wanted ugly. her in there to make fun of her being ugly because they made fun of every other thing. So that was literally my first note that I took: is the wailing is a bit much, but the chick's haircut looks kind of like a wiener. So I mean, this chick <laughs> wailed really loud, and her haircut. Oh, made when her, her father like died. Yeah, I mean that. I, I didn't even really I notice her like in that first scene when at the funeral or or. It wasn't really a funeral because, like, he's on his deathbed, so they're all just kind of there waiting. The whole family's there waiting, and then he dies. Um, 
like I didn't really I wasn't paying real close attention. I was working while I was watching and like I wasn't paying super close attention and notice any of that. And then I saw her come. I didn't see her coming until she came in in the end of the movie. And I was like, oh, damn, what the hell is going on there? Yeah, she was a bit much at the beginning of the movie, but I think they did that on purpose. I think they were like, listen, honey, if you want this part, you want to make it in Hollywood. You got to get your haircut kind of like a penis. We're implying a few things with this movie. So. Yeah. Now gonna... I don't know if there's any implications in this movie. It's pretty uh, straightforward with how it wants to portray its characters. How much better to be more straightforward than to literally make the one woman in the movie's hair, except for the... I, I don't think she's a transvestite. I don't know. They never solved the problem with Gooby. I, I think she wasn't. I think it turned out she wasn't, because she told have... him she's all woman, but like maybe you can't believe her. Maybe she's lying to, to get what she wants, because she still thinks he's a producer, all that. I don't know. Who knows? The mystery of the Ritz. Final thoughts. Hit me. Oh, I I was letting you go first. I thought those were your final thoughts, just silence. Oh, yeah. No. No, my final thoughts are this, are thus, good sir. I honestly might watch it again in like 15 years. No! Yeah, I might. I might in like you 15 can't. years while I'm sitting on the couch with my wife and we've had like two bottles of wine. And we're just like, let's watch this dumbass there's, movie. No, there's no way. Two bottles of there's wine will no make way. you want to watch a stupid movie. Trust me. There's a lot better stupid movies. If you have two bottles of wine and need a stupid movie, watch Strange Wilderness. Like that's a stupid movie that's still fun to watch. This is not that. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't say it was fun. I was definitely just like, man, I can't look away. Because it was all, like, little goofy. It was almost like Airplane. Like, that that comedy kind of throughout, like, just weird shit. I don't mm. know. It wasn't necessarily stuff I found laugh out loud funny. It was more I just, don't know that I laughed at all. Um, I laughed out most... loud when, when Gooby grabbed the dude by his dick and threw him by the laundry sh- <laughs> down the laundry chute. That that one, and when I, the dude I first laugh talked, at it when you describe it the way it is, but like watching it, I was just like, well, this has gone to a whole other level of stupid. But when you keep describing it, it gets funnier and funnier. Oh, dude, it was fucking hilarious when I said, I'd like a room, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks around it like for three quarters in the movie. They're in either robes or towels. And or just completely naked. buck-ass naked yeah, with, his, with your uh, hair sweater going on. Hair sweater. <laughs> but Brick is like – he has this little notepad that he carries around in his towel, and I just – little shit like that I found hilarious. You know, he's throwing candy bars in. <laughs> so it was good for a chuckle. That's about – and and in retrospect, it's obviously funnier in my mind than when it was when I was watching it. It's definitely funnier to talk about than it was to watch. Absolutely. Um, all of the quote-unquote humor, or what they attempted to be humor, seemed to be derived from gay people. Just the fact that being gay is funny. And it's it's not a normal thing. So just somebody being gay is a funny thing. Let's laugh at them. And then they also kind of threw in some, haha, yeah. there's a brown person. They talk funny. Let's let's laugh at that too. Yeah, that was a bit much, but with the with the transvestite Puerto Rican woman, like she was like that. That's not her real accent. It can't be. She was definitely playing it up to be ha ha oh, yeah. brown was, people talk funny. It was like a white. It was like D playing blackface in right. Always Sunny, or whatever her Hispanic character in Always Sunny. Yeah, she's got yeah, the foot long fingernails and shit. It was like that. But so it's I wasn't laughing about that. I just thought. It was really funny. <laughs> There's somebody down a laundry chute. I, no, I get that. Um, I get that, how that's funny. Yeah. 
And otherwise, the throwing candy bars into the room, that, I just, I don't know why that's funny, but it is. If someone's just like, hey, eat these, bro, I'd be like, okay. Sure, why yeah. not? Oh, you want, you give me a hundred grand and a payday? Shit, <laughs> I'm going to eat them both. It's by far a product of its time in the mid-70s. Like, there's no doubt about that. There's no getting around it. It's a very tough watch in 2019. I wouldn't recommend anyone watch it in 2019. Uh, if you're if you're I don't, easily I don't, offended, do not watch this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you will be, that would be you will be terrible. super upset this whole movie. I can tell you that. But if you just kind of 100, if you're just like, eh, it's just a it's just a movie to me. Um, and I, I, I get that, own. and I'm not. I don't want to argue that point with you that it's just a movie. It's there. It's it's not really harmful unless, like you said, if you are super offended by everything, then yeah, you're gonna be offended by this movie. But it's not it's not an overly offensive movie. It's just it's not funny enough to make up for any anything else that goes on. Like the, no, there there isn't not. any other humor than point and laugh at gay people, point and laugh at the lady who talks funny. And to me, that even even if it were the seventies, I don't think I would find that funny. Like it, it's not it's it's very dumb comedy. Exactly. It's it's super dumb comedy. And it's that's very a, that's surface level. About it. Yeah. It, so, it, um, it was – let's be honest. It's pretty fucking rough. But I honestly would – I would prefer this kind of – this is just terrible to say. Not really, honestly. This is just pretty honest. Uh, I'd prefer a movie like this over the movies that kind of came out and like the 80s and 90s and stuff where gay people are just AIDS carriers and the, you know right. they're all fucking dying of AIDS and they're like just that terrible. Was the stereotype. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's like I'd much this rather was... have it where these guys are happy, like they're happy and they're doing their thing. It was yeah, it was oddly, you know, pr- prideful in its gayness. It was Oh yeah, they didn't give a fuck, dude, they, especially they made, they made fun of it and they stereotyped everyone, but the gay characters were very comfortable with themselves and that's what you get in this safe haven that is the the ritz is everybody can be themselves the only thing that i would say is highly offensive in there is the character of claude where he's just like a complete horn dog but if that yeah, were a straight a little... character and he were a horn dog like that it would be offensive then too so it's not because he's gay and he's a horn dog it's because he's a horn dog who wants to basically assault people yeah fatten them up and shit which is just super weird but yeah i'd much rather prefer that i mean it was a light-hearted thing i just feel yeah i'm so i was so sick of that shit it's pretty positive in its portrayal of who gay people want to be rather than being like you shouldn't be gay it's evil it's the only person who had that outlook was jerry stiller yeah which is just horrendous when you think about it what do you give it for a rating out of 10 after after our diatribe there, yeah. I feel like I have to give it like a, a three. My initial reaction, I will say, was probably yeah, like say a, what a, you would give it. My initial reaction was probably like a five. Okay. It was one of those. I where, had a four. Yeah, I had a four. I'd, I'd honestly, I'd probably watch it again in the future if I'm thinking about my little brother. Um, this is my brother was gay, so it was one of those where it was like, oh, you know. My brother did none of this shit. 
shit, so it made it more obvious. But if I'm ever thinking about it, I was like, hey, I'm going to watch this stupid-ass movie. He'd laugh at it with me. Um, this is the only gay positive movie you can think of? Literally the only one I can think of. Go watch Moonlight. Moonlight. I don't know how Never positive that, that is. It's good, but I, I don't know how gay positive it is because he kind of gets the shit beat out of him a couple I mean, times. Fuck, dude. It's always something like that. Broke it's an Oscar winner, man. Dude gets his beat to death. Like, what? Yeah. I never saw that, but my uh I remember pretty much everybody I like knew, my mother and my stepmother and stuff were just like, Oh my god, this is so good. he got me to death, it was crazy. It's like, oh it's kinda I kinda expected that. It's been the trend t- lately, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you get things like Dallas Buyers Club and Philadelphia where like they're cl- critically acclaimed movies, they're good they're good movies so is just good. like let's just use the gayness as a stand-in for disease, and he's got AIDS. You know, it's not. Yeah, you know, it's basically everybody's got fucking AIDS, and I'm sick of that shit. Yeah, I digress though. All right, it's time to pick next month's movie. Let's do it. We're gonna be taking most of September off from the regular podcast feed, but we still will do a random movie review somewhere in there. It may not be till the end of September, or it may be in the middle somewhere. We'll try and get some content for September. We have 1,113 movies to choose from. Which is by far the highest number we've come across so far. Random number generator. Go! Number 64. Low number. This could be interesting. That's going to be a good one. Could be interesting. Well, they're all randomized. Maxi. Damn. 1985 comedy. 5.4 on IMDb. Oh, boy. We might be in for another uh, scare here. I'm voting for a re-roll. Re-roll. We might need one. Let's, let's read the IMDb description first. Let's do it. Internet is not cooperating. 91% like this movie. On Rotten Tomatoes? Google users. Yeah. Those are smart people, I think. It's a fantasy comedy. All right. I like fantasy comedy. Plot. Could deal with that. Glenn Close, Mandy Patinkin, Ruth Gordon. I don't feel like reading all of this. Googie Gress is in this? Come on now. Who the fuck is named uh, Googie an, again? Like, what? Back to back. A 1920s flapper who haunts her old house possesses a reserved housewife who just moved in. However, she cannot leave before she receives her massive audition for a Hollywood studio. Interesting. Hmm. Got Glenn Close. I mean, I'm game. I'll watch it. We got it now. The, the randomizer select it. Has spoken. All right. That's all we got for uh, the Ritz. We will see you next month for Maxi. Maxi. Exciting. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for being a patron. Thanks for stopping by. The Bible says, man, without.